should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Oh, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because the right is trying to destroy our heritage. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Bennett, who will be hosting a 24-hour British-a-thon to support the rebuilding of the Georgia Guidestones. Benedict, what tasty jams are gracing your earballs this week, my man? Uh, 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 um... Jams as in two Tasty jams. Tasty okay. jams. Tasty, tasty jams to me means like what? Uh, what preserves? tasty jams are in what your fruit, earballs? Fruit, fruit <laughs> preserves are you? Um, that's a good question. I'm uh, listening to, I always have a bit of Lake Street Drive. Yeah. Always. You're welcome for yeah, getting you hooked. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. Uh, let me go on to my... Uh, my playlist that I'm listening to at the moment. Once. Well, if you're going to waste the audience's time, uh, like I've that. got uh, <laughs> the Beat Nuts and Method Man's Se Acabo. <laughs> okay. It's a good one. All right. All right. I've got Residentes, This Is Not America. I've got Lizzo's About, Ta- About Damn Time. <laughs> and you can follow Benedict on TikTok. And <laughs> <laughs> watch dance. him do the dance. <laughs> um i've got yes yeah, from nathaniel ratliff i've got uh nas and damien jr gong marley's nah mean god you're turning into such a middle-aged man <laughs> oh that's just a good song shut the fuck up what have you got on yours uh well i wasn't gonna give you a playlist oh i actually that was but uh uh i wasn't gonna go to like this is what i might listen to most but the other day i found uh, a playlist on spotify which is a Tony Hawk Pro Skater oh, 1 yeah. Plus 2 playlist, all the Love songs that. from the games, which I spent way too many hours in my youth playing. Um, Superman by Goldfinger is on that one. Oh, yeah. uh, you got some Rage Against the Machine. I think yeah. there's some Less Than Jake on that too. There's just a ton of... Some Papa Ro- I'm on it now. Papa Roach. Yeah, Papa Roach. Sublime. Bit of rage, Gorilla There's radio. so much good stuff. There is so Sublime, much good stuff. Yeah, same in the end. And a lot of it was like deep cuts. Because like, you know, they'd have to pay more for the popular songs. A little a little Zebrahead, All My Friends Are Nobodies. Yes! There's so much good stuff on there, man. So much <laughs> good. good stuff. Does that not take you back? Oh, yeah. I've been good. listening to that right, basically nonstop Hulk. for the last couple of days. So nice. good. So, so good. Uh, but anyways, Benedict, you probably know, but I do. Um, some of the folks out there, the Volk out there, oh no, as no, some no, of no. our subjects Poi-poi. might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> might not know exactly what it is we do here on this program. And then I will say, the show where we get deep, 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 deep to plumb the depths of right wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative nonfiction, and in between, taking a look at other examples of the right doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? I do. I just, I just from news I've been reading. I think mm-hmm. it's really funny that Qantas asked executives to work as baggage handlers for three months, <laughs> and that is exactly what we should be doing. To that all is executives. like, do you remember when the John Deere factory strike was going on? Yeah, uh, last they tried year to get executives come in, and then they nearly <laughs> set the factory on fire. Yeah, hilarious. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> 
That was the best. I love that sort of stuff. Yeah. Union so strong, my friend. Union yeah. strong. <laughs> I don't Fuck think it's even, it's not even, a, this isn't even a union thing. It's just that nobody wants to work as a baggage handler for Qantas. <laughs> so it's, they've okay, asked I, for say, I, I don't know what I, okay. I am in that Twitter sphere where I follow yeah. and interact with a lot of European folks, mm-hmm. but I have Qantas never experienced Qantas for myself. It's okay, Australia. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all over the world. So I see people shitting on Qantas all the time. Oh, really? But I had yeah. no idea, obviously, which country it even belonged to or yeah. what or any of the details about it. I just know yeah. people like to apparently shit on Qantas on Twitter. That's what yeah, I know about it's just it. Austra- I think it's Australia's, like, main airline. It's got oh, okay. a kangaroo on it anyway. Like. <laughs> of course it does. Um, Not a capybara? Capi, anyway, no. Cap, I don't think Capybara's... Capybite? Capybara? I don't know how to say it, but they're cute as fuck. I don't know where the fuck they are. They're they South feel American. like they... Benedict, in my heart, in my heart, yeah. Capybaras go with me wherever I go. Fair enough. So. Uh, also, to be fair, <laughs> if I was like, hey, here's a weird giant rat, where do you think that lives? I would, like, ni- I'd be 90% sure that I would say Australia. Exactly. You know exactly so. why I thought that's where they were from. <laughs> Yeah. All right. What about you? What's your uh, hot take? Thanks, Steve Irwin, for that. Um, but uh, my hot take, my hot take this week, Alex Jones got what he wanted uh, oh, this time. Okay. I was. I think you were going to say deserved, which also no, true. no, he didn't get what he deserved. Uh, absolutely not, because a lot of you probably heard, and I talked about it last time, the forty-four million dollar verdict uh, from his his first trial, the first of six trials that he's going to be facing. And in Texas, there is a cap on punitive damages, which, as I understand it. And I have not spent the time to actually do a, a search and figure out what it is. Uh, it is twice the um, compensatory damages plus $750,000. So which means million-ish. at most they're going to take him for like $14-$15 million ish And Alex Jones will make that back in a month. Like but less than a month probably. Like that, that's nothing. That's nothing. He's an incredibly rich person. Well, he's he was making eight hundred thousand in a day, right? That's what they're saying. Well, he eight hundred thousand a day uh, between twenty sixteen and twenty eighteen. I think it was a hundred and uh, I want to say either one hundred and fifty six or one hundred and sixty five million dollars that he brought in in those three years. So mm-hmm. he's incredibly wealthy. It's going to take a much harder blow to take him down. But as I, which ex- he will get. But well, as I described to you before we started recording today. <laughs> It's a situation where it's sort of like he's playing Russian roulette with a six-shooter that's loaded with four bullets, but he Mm. has to pull the trigger six times. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, it's going to get him eventually. (laughs) He's kind of fucked on that front. He didn't get taken out this time, but uh, one of them is going to do the damage. Good. (laughs) Yeah, you can only hope. But anyways... On Housekeeping this week, remember to rate and review us on the iTunes. Follow us on all of the social medias, at NYGBCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen on Twitter. When I say all of the socials, I mean Twitter. Just Uh, Twitter, yeah. We're not really anywhere else. (laughs) No, they're not. I don't like anywhere else. I like Twitter, and that's it. I'm an old man. I have found the social media that I enjoy, and it is called Twitter. Um, And I'm so glad that Elon Musk imploded and didn't, didn't... destroy the shitty social media platform that I love so much. Uh, Updates. Couple of updates. Um, I accidentally released last week's episode on Sunday night. Oh, Briefly. Briefly. For moments. I wondered why we got a spike in followers. (laughs) Not followers, but in in listeners. For like three minutes, I think, because I, I clicked on the wrong date on the calendar 
and then realized as soon as I got the notification on my phone that a new episode of Not Your Endless Book Club is now available. I was like, oh, shit. I knew it was going to happen eventually that I did it. So some of you, I guess, got to hear it a couple days early, maybe, if your you phone automatically out, downloaded. Honestly. Yeah, I don't know. I Well, I went back and changed it. Um, two, second update. I misspoke. Uh, on one of our recent episodes. Again, motherfucker, stop misspeaking, <laughs> About who the plaintiffs in the Alex Jones trial that just concluded were, uh, which funnily enough is actually something that also happened during the trial with several witnesses who said, th- because there are so many people suing Alex Jones. Good. Um, uh, but the, the two whose case just concluded uh, were Neil Heslin and Scarlett Lewis. Okay. So I just wanted to correct that. Um, and again, you should go check out that trial. I watched every minute of it, and I thought it was amazing. Uh, yeah, third update. Kevin's Twitter content will be back to non-Alex Jones stuff. Yeah, hopefully. maybe. Who knows? Uh, third update. Uh, one of our listeners, uh, Mockingbird Nation, uh, reached out to me regarding the discussion on our most recent Lunatic Fringe episode uh, of the Secret Empire storyline in Marvel Comics. Mm. Uh, that I talked about in our fascism episode, uh, and sent me a link to a blog post that they had written about that storyline back when it came out, as well as some of their experience with their childhood trauma and suicide and things they had dealt with. And it's a very touching short read, so I wanted to link to it in the show notes this week for anyone who wants to check it out, both because I really did enjoy reading it, um, and I think you should check it out, and also to shame Benedict for his persistent shit-talking about comics as an art form (laughs) and storytelling medium, which disregards the fact that individuals can find meaning in beauty in any art form, and the fact that it doesn't resonate with you (laughs) says nothing about its value. (laughs) I don't think that I have ever said that I hate comics. <laughs> I think that is absolutely putting words in my mouth. I have. It's, I think I've said. It's a vibe. It is pretty, a vibe you put I think, off. I, I give that vibe <laughs> off about literally everything, even things I love. So, um, I think I've said pretty much what you just said. Not for me. Great for other people. That's fine. Whatever you, you need enjoyed to do. Watchmen. I you legitimately Watchmen, enjoyed yeah. Watchmen when I, liked I made Watchmen. you read it. I like yeah. Watchmen because I thought it was. It used the medium in a really interesting way. I thought it was good. Damn right it did. Yeah. Now I just got to finally get you to read that copy <laughs> copy of Frank Miller's Dark Knight that I bought for you a couple years ago. Mm. Just probably still on your bookshelf, never been touched. At least it's still on my bookshelf. Not everything made it to the new apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, final update this week is a call for clips. Mm. Uh, so we, uh, Benedict is going on vacation once again. You've been on a lot of vacations. I have, yeah. I've been making it for lost time. Yeah. It feels like one of those, like, I just noticed because it feels like we do more of these things where we do like a clip show episode because we have a time crunch because you're leaving or getting back or whatever the Mm -hmm. case might be. So we keep doing this. And I apologize to listeners that Benedict keeps fucking up our recording schedules this way. What was the, uh, what was the last clip show we did? Shut the fuck up. But anyways... Uh, I had COVID. I, I had a legitimate excuse. I don't give a shit. <laughs> maybe you should put an episode together then sometime, yeah, asshole. Mate, look, nobody wants that. <laughs> no, even you don't really want that. You'd be like, I have to fix all this But anyways, so Benedict is leaving for, yep. for two weeks, so we have to record an episode ahead of time. I don't have time, uh, because just because of my work schedule right now, to write another Lunatic Fringe episode that's gonna that would be up to the, the standard that I have. Um, so we're putting out a call for clips. Anything you think that Benedict and I should sit down and watch and review 
and talk about and make fun of between when this episode comes out on Wednesday and let's call a deadline, I don't know, Friday, uh, yeah. 8 p.m., end of day. If you get it to me between then, end of business. then it will be considered for the episode we're going to be recording this weekend uh, to put into that time slot when Benedict is gone and we're not able to record. So if you have anything interesting, we'd love to see it. I'm always looking for new stuff. I know my places that I can go to to find clips and stuff. We all know how I love PragerU, uh, but I would love to see what the audience thinks is interesting and wants us to go over. So send it to us there. We'd love to hear about it. And then finally, before we get into the subject matter of this week's episode, some unductees. Unductees? Inductees. Unductees. Are we taking people unductees. out? Get their asses. <laughs> Hat tip. Rumble. Cut eight. Go. Restarting. Anyways, this week, some inductees into our spooky world, new world order. Mm-hmm. I have to thank Dan Irizari, Farm D. You are now part of our new world, spooky world order, and also Andy's at home. I hope on Twitter you are now part of our new world spooky world order. Welcome to the new world spooky world order. <laughs> that almost seemed like you were gonna try and go for like a spooky Boris Karloff thing, but it didn't hold. <laughs> it didn't. I, the I cadence was it. there. The cadence was there, and I was like, should I? And then I decided against it. But anyways, if you would like to become part of our Spooky World New World Order, of course, you can tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five-star review wherever you can. Drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity. Send me some sort of proof. Become a patron or just get my attention with something good. And you can get involved. All that out of the way, Benedict, this week, it is time Mm. for us finally to get back into the Lunatic Fringe series with this week's episode, which is titled... As we have worked over now several times, Lorem Christum, Christian nationalism, and the never-ending crusade. So much deliberation over that title this week. Yeah, really a lot, yeah. (laughs) But the last episode in the Lunatic Fringe series, obviously we talked about fascism. Mm -hmm. What exactly that term means, its relation to historical movements and governments, and some aspects of its modern-day incarnation. Mm -hmm. Of course, I noted then, and we didn't discuss... What I should probably say is the primary incarnation of fascism in the world, and certainly the U.S. today, Christian fascism, i.e. Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. And one of the big problems with this episode off the top is that like so many of the things we try to capture in a single episode, Christian nationalism, just as a topic, could be a twice-weekly podcast that goes yeah. into the 500-episode range and not have covered a sliver of the complete subject matter, right? It's, it's just too much. It's so much to deal yep. with. So the difficulty today for me wasn't in figuring out examples to find or discuss, but in figuring out what of the million billion examples I could have used or the specific areas, issues to talk about, what I would end up putting into the final episode. But to start with, Christian nationalism is not being a Christian and also being a nationalist. Okay. That is not what that is. As I think so I remember, means I'm not a Christian nationalist. I think I remember Dave Dobbenmeyer stupidly saying that on. He's the a guy you see on like Right Wing Watch a lot. I think mm-hmm. they. I have issues with Right Wing Watch. I think they've done some good work. I think a lot of times they're promoting people who really don't have a big audience, but who are saying the stupid things that Right Wing Watch is like. Hey, look yeah. at how dumb this is. But, you know, some good people have come out of it. Jared Holt started out at the Right Wing Watch, mm-hmm. so we've gotten some great stuff out of it. But, uh, you know, Christian nationalism is the term I'm choosing to use 
Because I think that's what most of us are familiar with, and honestly, it rolls off the tongue better than Christian fascism every time. We could do Christo-fascism. <coughs> I think that would work. But anyway, it might, yeah. but you know what? I've already written out my notes for the episode, so how it's about fine. we go with what I said? Sure. How about that? That sound good to you? Yeah, you've already done like a two-minute spiel on why you're going to call it that, <laughs> so why not keep it? <laughs> and I do want to start <clears throat> by addressing what could likely be a criticism of this episode, right? Mm. That there is a difference between Christian nationalism and Christian fascism. Okay. Nuh-uh. Why? So, <laughs> no, no, no. But genuinely, why? Why would people have the criticism, or is uh, there a difference? No, I understand why people would have the criticism because they're different words, and people are like words mean different things, and not all nationalists are fascists. So, sure. So, why don't we go through the next two pages of my notes that I put down, where we talk about this after my immediate joke of nuh-uh. Sure. <laughs> Benedict, thanks for ruining everything. Okay, uh, listen, why don't I just go, and you can do your podcast? Look, if you just record enough random phrases, like a, like a, a meaningless word generator, and then I can have all those clips, I can put it together like they do with Siri or, or Alexa's voice. Oh, shit, I said her name. Okay. Uh, and, and then I can just put it into whatever She's order I want. Beetlejuice. You know what, though? Kind of is. She kind of is. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, it, it is the same. It's the same. If you want a country and its laws to be dominated by a 2,000-year-old book written by zealots who didn't know how fire worked, you're a fascist. Forget the Christian part. If you want a government dominated by any religion, you are a theocratic fascist. We just need to plug in whichever particular religion you belong to, and now we've got the full mm -hmm. equation written down, right? But we live in the U.S., which generally is the focus of this show, and as an English-speaking show, the majority of our listeners are in countries where Christianity is the dominant religion. Mm -hmm. So let's just quickly run through a few of those elements of fascism that we talked about last week. Sure. And, you know, I'll just go through these, Benedict. I'll, I'll throw them out. You can respond as you will, whether you think they're accurate or not, or any yeah, commentary you have. Let's yeah, see no, how this I can, tracks. I know how to do my job. Thank you. So let's start with the cult of tradition. Mm -hmm. where it is believed that all truth and meaning has already been revealed and no new learning can occur, only further interpretation and refinement. Not sure how that fits in with Christianity, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully by the end Next. of this episode, we can teach you some learnings or two. Yeah, I don't know. You know that's maybe. The rejection of modernism, which views the enlightenment mm -hmm. and the development of thought since then as a descent into depravity. Mm-hmm. Yep, that, that, that certainly fucking fits. A little bit. Disagreement. Also, uh, having, having said that, how do you square that with the New Testament? Because that was certainly a more modern thing than the Old Benedict, Testament. Benedict, they have never tried to square the no, New Testament with the true. Old Testament. I mean, to be fair, there are like theologians who have tried to think through some of the dumb bullshit there, right? Like, And there are things which, uh, you know, just like full disclaimer, you and I are both atheists. We don't believe in any of this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know... Things in the Old Testament that modern Christians, exclusively modern Christians, don't believe in, but all the Christians before them did, right? Stoning gays, adultery, same same punishment for adultery, right? Mm -hmm. All this sort of shit that they're just sort of like wave their hands around, ah, Jesus said love, you know? Yeah. That sort well, of thing. Well, it's, it's because Jesus was supposed to be the renewing of the covenant. And right. Like, and somehow, every single Christian, yeah. basically, who lived up until, like, 70 years ago got it wrong. But these people 
who just want to shock your balls until you're no longer gay, they're the good ones, right? Well, they yeah, just they don't want to stone you to death. I, I mean, it is also like the thing about like not eating pork, like that's in the Old Testament, but Better, like, yeah, because but that's, the New Testament none of it, exists. Yeah, exactly. I, they, you and I know because we've been in these yeah, yeah. arguments it's in fine. these worlds. We, it's okay. Carry on. They it's say obvious. things like, "Well, Jesus was the new covenant, so we don't need yeah, to hold yeah, on to the old exactly. covenant, even though they so hold on to things from that old covenant." They'll still quote the Ten Commandments and shit. It's not. In, it's not coherent. It's not internally coherent. It yeah, does not make I, sense. Yeah, our audience knows this, so let's go. But anyways, disagreement is treason and the devaluation of discourse and suppression of dissent. Mm-hmm. I will just say heresy as an example. Yeah. Yeah, Obsession yeah. with a plot and the building of an <laughs> enemy threat. Ironically, they did hate the Aryans, though. Yeah. But there's a different, different type of Aryan. Obsession with a plot and the building of the enemy threat. How about the devil? Dude's yeah, always a plotting. I'm, I'm less. I'm less. He's always a plotting. Yeah. Everything's is, a plot I'm, by I'm, the devil. Yeah, I'm less convinced on that one. Yeah, as, as, a, as a as a fascism link. Well, I mean, you could also like point to modern Christianity, modern right wing Christianity, and be like, you know, Muslims. Or the gay agenda. <laughs> the gay agenda. That's the threat. Or you know, the existence of religions other than their own. Yeah. Uh, casting their enemies as both too strong and too weak at the same time. Now, this one interesting, and I have a clip for you to play that oh, goes good. along with this. I was going to say, this... that, I mean, that could also be the devil. It, it because... could also be, but why don't, we, why don't we hear what one individual has to say about it? Who is it? Interesting. You know, we were told for many years we had pride. You know that voice? Uh, yeah, but I don't want to guess who it is. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I know, but why don't you tell the people for us, Kevin, is what you're saying there? <laughs> no, you tell, I mean, I... I it's Charlie Kirk. It's fucking yeah, Charlie yeah, Kirk. Yeah, yeah month in june whatever that is and it was super like everywhere flags this whole thing is like is, are we a conquered country at this point where it's like you see the gay flag more than you see the united states of america oh, flag I remember him saying this. and the gay flag <laughs> <laughs> it's called the pride flag charlie yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's called the char. It's called the pride flag, buddy. Yeah, it's you, a and you know this, it's, it's and you know this, Charlie. <laughs> By the way, I think some of us at some point said, you know what? Okay, whatever, live and let live. When in reality, it's live and let them rule, not live and let live. And it goes in these steps. First, the step is, hey, you have to tolerate the homosexual agenda, and you're like, oh, that's kind of okay, whatever. You hear the people booing for tolerating the homosexual agenda? Yeah, that's the that's the plot, right? What sort that's of forum the... do you think Chucky is giving this little talk in here? Uh, Young America Foundation. It's a church, Benedict. He's in a oh, church. Of course okay, he's in a fucking church. Worse. Is it worse? Ever. I don't know. I think a lot of people say whatever. But then they say, okay, after you tolerate it, you must then participate. Okay. As a non-straight man, as a man who occasionally enjoys the company of other men, Charlie, we don't want you to participate. Okay? <laughs> okay, buddy? You can stay out. We don't need your participation. Fact, not only can you, <laughs> we actively encourage you to. <laughs> and then you must celebrate. And you're like, wait a second. That went a long way from tolerance to all of a sudden to participation and celebration. And isn't it interesting that after all these debates that have happened over the last couple years, that where does it land? It ends with our children. They're coming for your kids, of course, right? Of course, we all know yeah. they're coming. That's the other kids. conspiracy, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's part of the agenda. But, but so I highlight that because although he doesn't explicitly say it there, we've heard these people in other contexts, and certainly I've heard them 
I would say, you know, I always go back to my experience growing up and being a far right fascist conservative uh, and the fact that I was in these communities just to point out that I heard people say all the things where the LGBTQ community is attacked as weak, as a feat. They're mocked with gay slurs and tropes. But simultaneously, again, they're the I, greatest threat the world faces that are that, destroying the once great United States and coming for your children. That's true. And once again, as I will always point out with like the effete thing is so funny to me because this is the party of <laughs> William F. Buckley. <laughs> the man who would sit there with a six inch long cigarette holder. And like the most effete sounding man, like nothing wrong with being effete, but if you're going to be like, hey, that's the homosexual agenda. (laughs) Whatever, dude. Good shit, man. Good shit. Next, the cult of death, where martyrdom is the supreme goal. Need I say more? I mean, that's just religious though, again. Obsession with degeneracy, usually sexual and moral Mm -hmm. degeneracy. Right on the nose. Right on the nose. A sense of overwhelming crisis beyond the reach of any traditional solutions. Again, a lot of these just go back to they think they're fighting the literal devil. You know? Yeah. I, <laughs> again, with that one, I'm, I'm less convinced. But Okay. Uh, <clears throat> the need for closer integration of a purer community by consent if possible or by exclusionary violence if necessary. Yes, that is the Crusades. And then uh, this one comes from Robert Paxton. Uh, the right of the chosen people to dominate others without restraint from any kind of human or divine law, right being decided by the sole criterion of the group's prowess within a Darwinian struggle. And obviously, That's Paxton there... That's de- deus volts. Well, like. Paxton includes those secular items there, right? No divine law mattering, D- Darwinian struggle. I think that the impetus is still there for those things with these people, right? They don't think that they're restrained by traditional morality in carrying out their goals, right? It's okay to bomb an abortion clinic because you're Mm -hmm. saving all those babies or whatever. And they do believe in the idea of uh, social Darwinism, whether or not they believe in actual Darwinism, because, you know, (laughs) they don't know the difference between the two. But they do believe in a sort of social Darwinism that we hear Mm -hmm. from them a lot, about the strong survive and blah, 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 bullshit. Like that stupid meme of, you know, strong men create good times, good yeah, times, yeah, 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 that, yeah, that kind of bullshit you yeah, see floating yeah. around, yeah? Uh, the belief that one's group is a victim, a sentiment that justifies any action without legal or moral limits against its enemies, both internal and external. Pretty on the nose, I'd say, but most important, I think most important, opposition to liberal democracy. Mm-hmm. Theocracy of any kind cannot accept liberal democracy, because it provides the opportunity for a government that will not uphold their version of God's law. That's why Christian nationalists reject separation of church and state. They believe mm-hmm. the government should be directed by Christian doctrine. They cannot and do not accept the authority of secular leaders who don't implement their priorities. Of course, we all know I'm just pointing out what people before me have managed to put much more poetically, right? <laughs> uh, fa- when fascism comes to America, it will come wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. Right. You know who said that quote, Benedict? Uh, Thomas Jefferson. Bullshit. (laughs) Kermit the Frog, actually. Kermit the Frog. (laughs) Actually, the funny part is nobody really knows who said that quote. Yeah, no. (laughs) It's commonly falsely attributed to Sinclair Lewis, um, who most likely would have agreed with it, but Mm -hmm. he didn't say it that anyone can find. Um, In 1917, Eugene Debs uh, said a similar quote, which is, quote, every robber or oppressor in history has wrapped himself in the cloak of patriotism or religion or both. 
When was that? 19? 1917. 17? And then, 1917. Yeah, Eugene Debs. He was old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Long I, time I'm ago. just saying that that's slightly pre-fascism. Yeah, I mean, was it? We're, we're yeah. uh, you okay? I mean, it depends how here, many fascism. This has come up on or... this is this yeah, came yeah. up on last week's episode too. I don't believe that fascism did not exist before the 1920s and 1930s. I believe fascism it, yeah. did exist. It just wasn't identified as such. Okay. That that's my position on fascism, right? I take the position. Okay. So uh, in 1957, uh, the New York Times reported an excerpt from an article in a Southern newspaper, which said, "Quote." Somebody back in the Huey Long era commented that if fascism ever came to the United States, it would come wrapped in the American flag. President Eisenhower's civil rights bill is fascism in disguise. If power grabbers succeed, the cancer of dictatorship will not be sated until it has covered the whole nation. I liked your southern accent for the reading of the southern newspaper. Until it has covered the whole nation. The whole entire nation. If I go hard on it, I go for foghorn leghorn. (laughs) Uh, And then in 19... Well, now, 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 (laughs) now. So this uh, this quote is often also commonly falsely attributed to Huey Long, even though nobody can find an instance of Huey Long saying the exact quote. Uh, In 1961, the Evening Star of Washington, D.C. credited Long with it, uh, saying, quote, The late Huey Long once said that fascism would come to this country but it would appear in another guise. It would come wrapped in the flag, claiming to be a savior of democracy. Mm-hmm. So it seems likely the phrase now, like uh, there's an incident of it being said in the comments or a letter to the editor in the New York Times in 2005 is the first time that I was able to find anyone identifying the quote, as we know it now, appearing, carrying a, a, a wrapped in a flag and carrying a cross. So okay. that's it's sort of an I was, amalgam. I was say, do you think, I, I mean, the, the quote you just said was a bit different as the wrapped in the flag and the savior of democracy. I feel like that's how it appeared in, in many places. It's I, mean, cl- I think, but I think the most common form that I hear, especially, you know, if you're in those Twitter circles and people t- are tweeting out like Instagram memes of lions with text over them or whatever, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's typically, oh. as I've seen it, that when fascism comes to America, it will be wrapped in a flag and uh, carrying a cross. And I think yeah, that yeah, yeah, um, that, that steel worker yeah. in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin who was running for Congress, Randy something, he tweeted out. Yeah, he was cool. I like. He him. was. He tweeted it out falsely attributed to Sinclair Lewis at one time. So that led to a lot of uh, fact checks on the quote and where it came from uh, that I looked mm-hmm. into when I was looking into this. But anyways, it's sort of an amalgam of what I will say is obviously a sentiment that was out there. And there are a, a number of popular quotes that were expressing this sentiment, but the form it is currently taken uh, in its, its crystallized version that it, it sort of just came forth from the mist, as it were, it mm-hmm. seems. As many things do, it emerged from the ether. <laughs> but of course, that takes us to the question of what exactly Christian nationalism is. And I do want to note that although I know I keep just referencing the U.S. through this whole episode, which I noticed in my notes when I got done writing and was going back through... I mean, this is not a world podcast. Well, like, we can't possibly... Yeah, I, I am very aware that Christian nationalism is a very prescient threat in plenty of other countries beyond our own, right? Uh, there, are, there are a few other countries uh, beyond maybe, like, Hungary, the Philippines, where Christian nationalism has seen real recent world success, and they definitely have had massive success, right? Donald Trump, despite likely being our actual first atheist president, or let's just say more Mm. likely a nominally Christian who never cared about it enough to bother thinking about religion, wasn't... Yeah, I think Jefferson was probably the first, I mean... Possibly, who knows. But Donald Trump was entirely a Christian nationalist candidate. That's what he was, and a Christian nationalist president. 
And he wasn't the first at the presidential level, right? Although we now look back at the halcyon days of the George W. Bush presidency as a bright spot of moderate secular government and reason. (laughs) Stop it. The true political achievement of George W. Bush was to coalesce the evangelical population of the United States behind the Republican Party and in so Mm -hmm. doing transform the party itself, right? Yeah, I mean, people also forget how much uh, George George W. Bush, like, pre-9-11 coveted the Muslim vote, too. I mean... He probably won Florida because he went after the Muslim vote in Florida. And hey, Benedict. Of the court case. Hey, Benedict. I know, I know, he didn't I know, win I know, Florida. I know, I know. Shut the fuck okay. up. Okay. <laughs> he probably was close enough to winning in Florida that he could pull that bullshit yeah, yeah, yeah. because of that. Who knows? Uh, we talked about overtures by the right to the evangelical and far-right Christian communities in the U.S. before, but I think it's worth a brief detour to talk a bit about Christian history in the U.S. and how this sort of came to be. And people sort of take for granted these days that religious conservatism and extremism and the Republican Party go hand in hand. But that's not... Hasn't been for that long. It's since like the 70s and 80s. Yeah, it's not not necessarily the case, right? It doesn't... Why would that be? Why would tax cuts for the wealthy, deregulation, why would that match with hardcore extremist Christianity? There's no necessary reason why that would be the case. There's no clear link. No. In fact, if anything, there's an... Like, it shouldn't. I, I mean... I, I don't want to go into that thing where people argue, well, uh, if you were really a Christian, you believed in Jesus, you would be giving food out to the poor because that's a bunch of bullshit and I don't care for it. But I know mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? Yeah. Uh, so in 1863, representatives from 11 Christian churches formed the National Reform Association, whose goal was to introduce... Sorry, when was this? Uh, this is 1863. Yeah. Right. So what... Where were they formed? Uh, you know what? I actually, I think I want to say Massachusetts, but I didn't write it down okay. in my notes. Okay. Um, but their goal was to introduce a Christian amendment to the United States Constitution. In fact, the original name of the organization was National Association to Secure the Religious Amendment of the United States Constitution. Sorry, uh, once again, this is in the middle of the fucking Civil War. And yeah. they were like, you know what's important now? Yeah, right in the middle of the Civil War, they thought this was a big deal. And, you know, that's not entirely surprising because crisis will often drive people further into religion to try and find uh, a reason or an explanation for what's going on. But, you know... Maybe not this then. Maybe a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, so the original version of the amendment that they would have offered would have changed the Constitution to read as follows. Quote, We, the people of the United States, recognizing the being and attributes of Almighty God, the divine, authority of the Holy oh, Scriptures. Oh, just at the start of the Constitution? Oh, yeah, that's what they're doing. Oh, cool. Uh, authority yeah. of the Holy Scriptures. The law of God is the paramount rule, and Jesus the Messiah, the Savior and Lord of all, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, and then they would remove what is currently there, provide for the common defense, and the word promote— Uh, And then it would continue, the general welfare and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. That was the original version. Uh, Another later version they had would have changed it to read as follows, quote, we, the people of the United States, humbly acknowledging almighty God Mm. is the source of all authority and power in civil government. The Lord Jesus Christ is the ruler among the nations. His revealed will is the supreme law of the land in order to constitute a Christian government and in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the inalienable rights and blessings of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness to our 
ourselves, removing the word and, our posterity and all the people do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. I feel like you went too hard too early with that. You know, my really voice is no going to suffer later in the episode. <laughs> yep. So, uh, as you might imagine, having some familiarity with what the Constitution currently reads as... Not that. They didn't yeah. exactly have success. But later movements would pick up the torch and carry it further. Uh, the Women's Christian Temperance Union, if you recall, that's the one... Were they responsible for some other racist statues no. or were they are they they the might be but ones? no these are the these are the um uh, prohibition folks uh yeah, these yeah. are the ones that you remember going around the, the i forget her name but there was a woman with a hatchet who would go around and bust up whiskey yeah, barrels yeah, yeah. and I, I forget what her name was yeah, yeah, uh yeah, but yeah. in 1895 they proclaimed solidarity with the national reform association uh, lips that touch liquor won't touch mine is one I remember seeing in like a grade school textbook as like one of the signs they would use. What a weird like time in American history. You, you, like you know what, what we think? Okay, you know what? I know what you're going for, but you know what's weirder for me? Who the fuck was kissing in 1895? You didn't have toothpaste <laughs> yet. You could have suffered without is all I'm saying. I don't want to imagine any any make out and heavy petting sessions before Dentine was around, Okay. That's all I'm saying. Uh, the organization, uh, the National Association, uh, National Reform Association, uh, technically still exists. As far as I can tell, I was a little confused on it. But it exists in the sense that one of the original churches that founded it appears to maintain an organization that still uses the name and still wants to put prayer back in schools. So, fun. yeah, fun stuff. Uh, but, we, you know, another aspect of this is we often hear the far-right religious types called fundamentalists. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us take that, again, for granted, what the word means and how this attaches to those people. Um, okay. Again, it's not obvious on its face why the word fundamentalist would become sort of a catch-all or a slur for extremist and wackadoo types or any number of negative attributes that you want to associate with being too religious. You mean it's not because they have fun? <laughs> The fundamentalist fun Benedict. You that can is imagine, a font like, joke. Some... That is a font joke in an audio format, is. isn't it? You can imagine some uh, <laughs> some youth pastor like rolling up his sleeves and doing it. You know why it's called <laughs> fundamentalism? Good stuff. <laughs> it's my contribution to the episode. Who says I bring nothing to this show? But. Rather than that outstanding, uh, that I wish was the real explanation for it, uh, the phrase comes from a series of essays published between 1910 and 1915 by the Testimony Publishing Company of Chicago. Uh, and this okay. series of essays was a 12-volume set with each individual essay addressing a topic that was supposedly fundamental to Christianity, mm. while along the way, of course... Attacking Mormons, Catholicism, modernism, evolution, facts, reality, atheists, the age of the earth, you know, all that sort of stuff. Sure. And among the important fundamentals that it laid down were five that were considered the most important. First, Mary never fucked, virgin birth. Uh, Hugely important to my belief system. <laughs> yeah. Two, Jesus was a dude, but also like God, you know, divinity of Christ. Sure. These are my explanations before what they would say <laughs> nothing but respect for my <laughs> fundamentals <laughs> number three he totally came back from the dead and not like a zombie 
Okay. Number four, he's coming again. Like like now. Okay. Like, all right, right, right now. Like okay. right right now. Like now. Behind no, hold on, you. hold on, hold on. Yeah. And now. Fuck. Uh, uh and no. number five, <laughs> the Bible is inspired by God and literal inerrant truth. Every word of the Bible is true, and even the things that are totally wrong in it must be true, which is how you get things like young earth creationism. See, that feels <coughs> like a big one. Like, the rest are all like, ah, okay, maybe. But that one is like, every single word of this really long book is God's truth. Like, oh, no. I would say it is probably the one that gives the most trouble these days. Because, like I said, it's how you get young earth creationism, right? If every word of the Bible is true. Look, I can deal with Mary never fucked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, who gives a shit? Sure. That's do it. Like, I can do that. Look, I I watched an episode of House where he made a joke about a lady who had obviously cheated on his her husband and that's how she got pregnant and he pretended that it was a virgin birth that was great i love that kind of stuff i can get down with that it's fun yeah Mm -hmm. but uh you know there's a there's a bunch of weird shit like if you just look through the volumes like i said there's a lot of like shitting on mormonisms uh shitting on christian scientists but they also Mm -hmm. have articles like science and the christian faith which is about you know if science conflicts with the bible then it's the science that's wrong yeah, yeah. So that's you do run into a lot of a lot of trouble from that area of it. But the question is, why do this in the first place? Why write the fundamentals? Why do you need it? And the answer is because at that time, the early 1900s, observations of the world, science, discovery, philosophy, <laughs> not long after Darwin, all right? areas <laughs> of learning were moving past Christianity. And scholars have written about how post-Civil War devastation of the South and the long, slow recovery likely helped to cultivate extremist beliefs down there. Uh, You can also see pretty clear correlations between poverty and extremism and rural isolation and extremism. But whatever the reason, geographically, these beliefs sort of took root in the South and the less Mm -hmm. densely populated areas of the country. Beyond geography, though, why would Christian extremists gravitate towards the right? So, you know, we know that the South, because of racial issues and things, obviously, we know about the 1960s and 70s, what Nixon did, what Reagan did eventually in the 1980s. We know why mm-hmm. we sort of saw the party flip there. But why, yeah. why, outside of the South, why would Christian extremists gravitate towards the right? And like we've seen with some other group, the, the Republican Party's pretending to care about the source of power, i.e. the whole state's rights thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. would allow Christian extremists, if they had control of a state or a county or whatever, to implement many of their priorities on the local level. Prayer in school, for example, if you could get that away from the federal government and strip away that protection. Because as as we've discussed, at its core, the states' rights argument is not about states' rights. It's about eliminating individual rights because those Mm. things are largely protected at the federal level and not under attack by state officials while they are so protected at the federal level. Because they can't be. Exactly, right? Especially in the current political makeup. Gay marriage, abortion, Mm. obviously, recently, we we all know what happened there. Uh, Interracial marriage, uh, just Google Bob Jones University if you think Christians and the miscegenation issue aren't connected. Uh, In fact, the fight over Bob Jones University was one of the biggest touchstones of the Christian right that helped to coalesce the moral majority in the beginning of that movement. 
uh, was I was gonna make a I was gonna make a you can't mix fabrics joke, <laughs> but I don't know I don't know what it is with Miss I don't I, I haven't quite got there yet. Uh, Miss Yarnif I don't the only fabric I can think of is wool no cotton yeah. something about cotton, cotton. Mm, that feels dangerous. I mean yeah. it would be relevant to the joke we yeah. will we'll throw this in the workshop and we'll see what comes yep. out you will never hear about this conversation again uh, nope. but yes Bob Jones University it was a big kerfuffle over them being horrible hideous racists who started a white supremacist university to keep black people away and the christian movement coalesced around supporting their right to do so and of course people like historian kevin cruz have written about this there's a very intentional and concerted effort by very wealthy republican individuals to co-opt the christian right to use as an electoral force Uh, if you want to read about that i highly recommend cruz's book one nation under god for a ton of detail on it But suffice it to say, wealthy interests thought that they could get the Christian nationalist right to vote for low taxes and deregulation, which are things that the Christians didn't really care about, but the billionaires did. If the billionaires promised to make the Bible the national book and make America stone gays again, which obviously the billionaires didn't care about, but the Christians did. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we could... And they were right. (laughs) And we could go... Yeah, they had some pretty great success with that. We could also spend time going through the uh, history of Republican presidents and political figures who made overtures that most people know the basics of, right? From Richard Nixon and his recorded anti-Semitic phone calls with Billy Graham. Uh, One of Mm -hmm. which, Graham said, quote, A lot of Jews are great friends of mine. They swarm around me and are friendly to me because they know that I am friendly to Israel, and so forth. know how I really feel about what they're doing to this country, and I have no power and no way to handle them. To which Nixon replied, you must not let them know. Uh, (laughs) The key to a Nixon is letting the lips go loose and a lot of face wiggling. And the throat go goggling. You must not let them know. Uh, And then to Reagan, openly courting Jerry Falwell on the campaign trail. To, of course, George W. Bush, who, unlike his dad and Reagan, both of whom used the Christian nationalist movement, was actually part of them. And it's part of that thing, you know, the, the the dragon eating its own tail, where eventually the true believers make it up to the leadership. Yep. And that was George W. Bush being one of the first of them. Because you, um, Bush, you you still haven't quite convinced me on nationalism versus fascism, I will I will say. Well, motherfucker, you're just wrong. Okay. Uh, oh, there's no more to it? You're just, okay, all right. I mean, fine. there will be things we hear throughout this episode that I hope would help to convince you, but we're through the portion where I just lay out the characteristics of fascism and you agreed that like 10 of them clearly match with the Christian nationalists. Well, well just with Christians as a whole. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so what well, we're saying is all Christians are fascists. That's where we got to. No. Okay. <laughs> no, no. There are, there are people who don't ever bring up Jesus around me, but might believe in the guy who I find just wonderful. Okay. I like those people. Okay. Um, but um, I I sat on a plane next to <laughs> oh fuck uh, why am Cornell I Cornell West that? right yeah Cornell West not long yeah. ago why did I forget his name I... um, but anyways so Bush himself was a very sincere evangelical right he didn't just speak the lingo he felt it and allowed it, that allowed him to complete the lockdown of the evangelical vote which is the largest denomination of Christians in the U S according to the Pew Religious Landscape Survey evangelical Protestant is the largest single religious de- denomination in the United States. And what was the Christian right to do when a man who so openly transgressed all of their values and norms came along in Donald Trump 
Except embrace him with a reckless abandon that would well, put the contestants on those blind date shows you love to shame. Yes, I would also say George W. Bush did that as well. Like, I don't think he was, like, a great Christian. He, he wasn't cheating on his wife openly no, and bragging about it. He wasn't talking true. about grabbing pussies. He wasn't talking about how much hotter his wife was than the people he was running against. That's true. Right? He didn't say he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Avenue and everyone would be okay with it. No, he like, just did it in Iraq. <laughs> okay, but it it was Dick Cheney. That he shot in the face. That, no, no, that Dick shot Cheney shot someone face. else in the face. Yeah. I know, yeah, I screwed up the joke. Yeah. It was Dick Cheney. Do you want to try it again? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, can cut. Uh, but anyways, so as I've argued, and I will continue to, what the Republican Party has managed to do is not just incorporate evangelicals, but in so doing, to shape their religious beliefs. Crafting a political religion where low taxes are as much a command of the Bible as honoring your father and mother. By for so long associating moral virtue with laissez-faire capitalism and simultaneously with Christian nationalism that they've managed to blur the lines for believers to the point of being indiscernible. And you remember that clip I played for you a little while ago of uh, Charlie Kirk speaking, Mm -hmm. right? So he was at an event, and Charlie Kirk, we know the guy, Turning Point USA, Yep. Going to college campuses, using logic and reason to convince these hip kids that mm-hmm. capitalism is, is not just for squares. Yep. So he was speaking at a church in that event. Yeah. And that was part of this organization or this this show, I guess, called Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe the event he was at was called Flashpoint Live. Ooh. Yeah. How cool is that? Hell yeah. And so uh, this is put on by an organization called Victory Channel, which is a free-to-air channel which means anyone can pick up their content and put it out for free. So maybe we'll have to start streaming it on our website. We'll see how that goes. Uh, And this is run by Kenneth Copeland Ministries. If you're familiar with Kenneth Copeland, it's because he's the most creepy, dead-eyed megachurch preacher out there. Mm. Google a picture of the guy, and you'll see what I mean. Uh, But uh, they have an upcoming event in Omaha, Nebraska, which will feature Mike Lindell, by the way. Fun. Isn't he at CPAC Uh, today? uh, I don't... is that today? Or yeah. was that over the weekend? I don't know. Uh, I, I saw a clip of him at CPAC today. Yeah, he was, he was there at one point. Yeah. Uh, but they describe this as, quote, Flashpoint live events are where patriots and believers from around the nation can unite as never before under the common cause of love for country, for our God, taking a stand for our nation. There is something special that happens when thousand comes together for a night of information, encouragement, mobilization, and faith. And that's pretty bland, blending Very. of po- politics and Christianity. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's still pretty obvious. And then underneath that on the page, they have the story of Flashpoint, where they say, quote, Flashpoint is a Victory Channel original show providing commentary on current issues from a conservative and prophetic viewpoint delivered in a spirit of faith that airs, on, airs live on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, Flashpoint began when Victory Channel founder Kenneth Copeland was led by the Lord to provide programming on victory to address current issues in our government and the 2020 elections from a biblical perspective. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And all it is, Benedict, it is just straight. I mean, I've watched a good 45 minutes of it. It's just Trumpian fascism. Mm -hmm. That's all they're They're just It's just Trump Trump talking points. It's just the election was stolen. It's just we need to get these... These transes out of everywhere. Mm-hmm. We need to get rid of them. It's just the same shit. There's nothing new under the sun in there. It is a blending of politics and Christianity. It is the political re- religion of the modern right. 
that I told you that I experienced when I, growing up as a you know Catholic in California, mm-hmm. believed in things that the Catholic Church didn't teach me religiously because I was involved in that political religion. Well, I, th- that's the thing. I think there, there, there is religious religion and I think there's cultural religion as well or political religion, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting way of approaching it. Yeah, and uh, already this far into the episode, we haven't really tried to define or describe any of the core tenets of Christian fascism yet, have we? No. Are you going <laughs> to do that now? Why don't we try? So, yeah, let's do it. You know, like many of the things we encounter, uh, this is where things get a little squishy, right? And part of that is that it's largely a, def- a term defined by its non-proponents. Mm-hmm. Until very recently, you didn't hear anyone calling themselves Christian nationalists other than pretty open fascists. There just weren't very, I mean, like a year ago, maybe, maybe, maybe the, in the last year, you suddenly see the far right describing themselves as Christian uh, nationalists. Wasn't, I mean, Richard Spencer was, wasn't he? He was doing that. Benedict, I just said, other than the pretty open fascists yeah, already. Yeah, right. Sure, <laughs> sure. Okay. They certainly existed, right? Yeah, they were I mean, but out now, there. now Marjorie Taylor Greene is a member of Congress. Right, right. They wanted the same things that those who use the term mean. But one of yeah. the particular issues with looking at it is, you know, for the most part, the U.S. and many other places, for much of our past, were actually Christian nations, right? It's much harder to discern a Christian nationalist from just an average member of the public when the overwhelming majority, even beyond, uh, you know, the portion of the population that is religious today— and is overwhelmingly Christian, yep. uh, you know, with even far less religious diversity than we have now. They just all were. So when there's far less diversity of thought and opinion, Christian nationalism doesn't really appear from the ether, as it were. And as a quick aside, I know there are a great number of people who, in good faith, argue that the U.S. was not founded as a Christian nation. They go out, they debate Christian nationalists, they give lectures, they write books, they're mm-hmm. named things like Andrew Seidel— uh, he's a good guy. It's a joke. But my position is genuinely that I reject the premise that it even matters. Yeah. Okay. A, I don't think that sort of argument is ever going to win over anyone from the other side. It's purely preaching to the choir. Pun intended. Ironically, yeah. And I certainly don't think it matters if the U.S. ever was a Christian nation or founded on Christian ideas or if the founders thought it should be a theocracy. First, because f- phrases like Christian ideas are meaningless to me. There are no concepts or ideas relevant to the outer world that come from religion. Rather, yeah, I mean, religion, also, I mean, everyone always talks about Judeo-Christian, right? And we've talked about how sure. that's meaningless. It's total so. horseshit, right? Religion incorporates the ideas from the society around them that are useful. Mm-hmm. And through the process of religion, which is that of codifying beliefs, holds on to outdated morals much longer than they ever should have stayed alive. Yeah. Then later on, when society has progressed and clearly realized that those sort of things were wrong that this religion had kept alive. Some of them sort of got hand-wavy about the obvious bad stuff and pretended as though their side was really on the right side all along because, guys, if you think about it, this all comes from my religion because my guy said you should just love people. Mm -hmm. So it's not like any of this bad stuff has anything to do with me. Right? That's really how it works. Don't read any of the stuff before or after my guy, by the way. Don't read any of that. You'll get the wrong idea. (laughs) But more importantly... Because religion of any kind should just not have a role in deciding what laws govern my or Benedict's or anyone else's life. Because freedom of religion requires freedom from religion. It is only if our government and laws remain secular that anyone is free to practice whatever they believe or not practice whatever they don't. So, you know, 
I don't think any of our listeners would expect us to debate or consider the merits of Christian nationalism, but I don't, and I won't, and I won't take anyone seriously, really, who does, Mm -hmm. because there are no merits of it. Mm -hmm. I don't see the point of even arguing about it. But the reason why it's so hard to distinguish Christian nationalists, even in our near past, is because at its core, Christian nationalism, and this is, I think, beyond going into any specific things they want or anything, the core element, I will say, of Christian nationalism is that it is a reactionary movement. Mm-hmm. And reactionary ideas come from a place of wanting to return to a previous, supposedly better, state of being in society. Yep. And for Christian nationalism, that is supposed to be, you know, a mythical time when America was good and right and everyone had syphilis. Uh, and... <laughs> In a time when Christianity was pretty consistently and overwhelmingly enforced by societal norms, reactionary movements would just sort of be fewer and far between, right? Yeah, you don't need to be reactionary if it's the norm. Right. Scholars of religious fundamentalism in the the Chicago school stemming from uh, the Fundamentalism Project, which comes out of the University of Chicago, um, argue that fundamentalism and fundamentalist movements are a reaction to the secularization of the world. And I generally agree with that explanation. Um, They wrote uh, a short summary of the whole... The whole Fundamentalism Project is like a eight-volume, massive, leather-bound collection of, you know, deep, dense, scholarly work. They Mm -hmm. wrote a summary of it called Strong Religion, which is a much shorter read if you want to check that out. Much snappier Uh, title. Yeah, much snappier. Uh, But that definition, I think, does leave out some fundamentalist movements and aspects of them that can't be captured quite so cleanly under that label. Because there are always going to be people who, regardless of what's going on in the world around them, are just going to be complete zealots, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, so another aspect of fundamentalism or of, of some fun- fundamentalism that I think carries over into Christian fascism is what I'm calling the crusader's impulse. Mm-hmm. The desire to subjugate others before their God and make the world believe what the Christian fascist does. So, so many of their key issues, things they care about, uh, and certainly that they desire to have in their Christian nation, have nothing whatsoever to do with their personal religion or any matters of theology or belief, but instead enforcing pseudo-religious notions that have more basis in politics than religion on the broader public. Mm-hmm. So more than being reactionary like those early fundamentalist notions were, Christian nationalism is a proactive force that seeks expansion and the conquering of other lands and minds. As does all fascism. And, well, you see where I'm going, Benedict. I bring yep. it back. I bring it back. That yep. was literally the next bullet point I had written in my notes. Okay, <laughs> Hey, at least we're simpatico like that. Yeah, at least we get along that way. But if you listen to these people for too long, you start to get the sense that most of them have never really thought all this out very well, right? The main simple problem being that there are so many different versions of Christianity, right? Mm -hmm. Even among evangelical Protestants, uh, which, you know, there's a huge portion of that movement which is called the unaligned movement, which are just Mm -hmm. like some dude sets up a church and calls himself a pastor, right? Whereas you have some level of structure with like the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. where they have books that they make people read, and supposedly they go, they, you know, they go to a fake college and call themselves, give themselves fake fancy degrees and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, so much of the belief can vary from pastor to pastor, because these guys are writing multiple hour-long bullshit sessions for every Sunday, and they're just making a lot of stuff up as they go. 
Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, I can't tell you the number of times my crazy evangelical aunt would come with a my pastor said story. Okay. Or I'm sorry, a sure. my pastor said story. Okay. She's from California, but she yep. does talk that way. Okay. Uh, and, and it was different because she had moved to a different church and had a new pastor now. Mm, okay. How often did <laughs> so, they contradict each other? Oh, so often. Yeah. So often, Benedict. So, so often. All the fucking time. Yep. Oh, man. Especially when a blood moon comes around. Oh, oh you don't wow. want to know about the blood moon. No, I don't. You don't want to know about the no. fucking blood moon and the 40,000 different contradictory things that the blood moon is a sign of. Mm-hmm. Jesus, fuck. Uh, but, you know, well, in the general usage to all of us, Christian basically means anybody who believes that a dude named Jesus was magic and nobody after him was as magic as him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some pretty big differences in belief and practice between the many Christian groups in the United yeah. States and in the world around us, right? And while that might not be a problem for many Christian nationalists who just think that the vague, wooey, evangelical Christianity should be sort of mandatory, mm-hmm. the people who will believe it the most... Uh, are the sort of people who would not agree and would think that, no, you need to believe in my very specific my version Jesus. of Christianity. Yeah. Well, to be <laughs> fair, that has been the historical trend. Yeah, it sort of has, hasn't it? Yeah, that, I mean, most deaths in history has been, you have to, well, not most, but a, a great you amount. You have to. You have to get over the Hundred Years' War. Yeah. You, you just, no, no, we're going to have to get you some therapy war, to the deal with this. War. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Whatever, I forget. What... You've had a lot of fucking wars. I don't know if you know this. Your country is old. We had so many so many wars that we started naming them after how long they lasted. Oh, God damn it. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, there have been efforts throughout history at trying to create Christian nations, and certainly Christian empires and kingdoms have existed in our history. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christian nationalism goes beyond the mere existence of or support for a Christian nation. It, I, well, I would, know, I would say most nations in history have been Christian nations. I mean, most Western nations in history have been Christian nations. Yeah, I would say they had some sort of official Christianity. And, you well, know, I, but I, I, mostly also were ordained by God. Like the right to rule was given, oh, was yeah. God given and Christian God right. given. Yeah, you have a 90 year old lady who's still, you know, making bread off of God that these given. days. <laughs> I think she's like 95, too. God-given golden carriage with a hologram. Um, But obviously, like all ideologies, Christian nationalism exists on a spectrum, right? So there are are soft Christian nationalists. There are hard Christian Mm. nationalists. And I don't care where you exist on that spectrum. It's like being a soft Nazi to a hard Nazi. Yep. And yes, I compared them to Nazis. I think the I think it's an appropriate uh, comparison. I really don't give a fuck. Um, and given that this is currently a trend for the far right to promote Christian nationalism as a good thing, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably a good number of dum-dums who, if you sat them down and explained it to them, uh, outside of the Marjorie Taylor Greene speech that they clapped along to, what it really means... They might be against it, right? If you told them, oh, well, you know, you'd have to be Christian in the United States or you you wouldn't have rights. They might say, oh, well, I didn't want that. I just want my son to be able to pray, my my grandson to be able to pray in public school. He he can. He just can't force other kids to pray around him, Grandma. Well, Sean Hannity told me he couldn't. Um, Why are they British? (laughs) Uh, I don't know if you know this, all grandmothers actually British. Okay, it's a whole thing with the Queen. Okay. It's a whole thing with the Queen. Uh, but at its core, what Christian nationalism is about is enforcing God's law. 
of course, the individual fascist version of whatever God's law is, because, as I said, they all disagree about what that means. Mm -hmm. But enforcement of God's law by the means of government. So I thought long and hard about the order of topics for this week's episode and how we would close out the show this week. And um, I decided that to end the show this week, uh, the appropriate way to go was to scare you about the hellish future ahead of us. Right. Uh, that we are sliding down the direction of a little bit more every single day. I thought with the way that Christianity is is preached to children in this country with fear of hell, I thought that's an appropriate way to end the show. Great. So that brings us to the question of how prevalent is Christian nationalism in the United States today, and what are the sort of things these people are saying they believe and want? Unsurprisingly, there have been actual studies looking at this question. A 2017 study by Baylor University looked particularly at Christian nationalism in the age of Trump with some pretty startling results. Of course, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I found it pretty fascinating. They cover a lot of various topics and and ground in that study. Things like fear of the other, rural religiosity, very interesting topics. Mm -hmm. You can check it out. And it's a multi-year project uh, with surveys. I think the most recent one was done in 2021. They're on like the sixth wave of surveys that they've done where they have a little bit of a different focus each time and present it in really interesting ways. So check it out. It's linked in the show notes. But in this survey, 63% of Trump voters identified as evangelical Protestants. That's the group that the GOP worked to solidify for decades. So it's not really surprising, I don't think. Uh, The second most was Catholics coming in at 42%, which is not that surprising to me as someone who was raised Catholic. There is a conservative streak in that religion, Sorry. especially, you how, know, how Catholics with money. How is this breakdown uh, What, just the breakdown of, of what religion a Trump voter is? Yeah, because what did you say for the first one? The first one was 60. So there were overlaps. Okay. There were, that, that, this is something, yes, there are overlaps. Um, people who answer surveys are not always smart. Okay, but you can't uh, so sometimes they, as Christian, Protestant, Evangelist, and Catholic. Well, no. So, for example, one of the categories is just Protestant. Okay. Another is Evangelical Protestant. Some people checked both Evangelical Protestant and Protestant. And I believe the question was, what religion do you identify with uh, the most? So it's it got a little squishy. Okay. Yes, I, I, I know. Uh, but anyways... Uh, One thing that the study found, and this is going to be the least shocking thing you've ever heard anywhere, uh, was that the religiosity of Trump voters is closely tied to feelings of animosity towards Muslims. Least shocking thing ever found in a study. Uh, But looking at Christian nationalism in particular, the study found that 72% of Americans who voted for Trump are strong Christian nationalists. And that was their defined term, strong Christian nationalists which they designated based on answers to a series of questions Mm. about the beliefs on the relationship between Christianity and government. Okay. So, for example, one question asked if the U.S. ever was or is now a Christian nation. And 26.2% said it always has been and is now a Christian nation. 20.3% said it never was and is not now. 21.3% were unsure. And 32.2% said it was in the past a Christian nation, but is not now. Right. So the two who believed it was in the past or is now would not necessarily be Christian nationalists based on that. Okay. Right? But through a series of questions about beliefs and comparing those to the way that they answered other questions on that survey, they created a set of responses and scoring system that allowed them to identify people as this strong Christian nationalist group that they put in the survey. Okay. And unsurprisingly, 
it was Republicans who overwhelmingly answered in the affirmative that the U.S. was a Christian nation in the past, uh, with 41.4% of respondents who answered that way being Republican, versus 30.3% and 27.3% independents and Democrats, respectively. And 39.8% of those who say it is currently a Christian nation being Republican versus 20.9 independents and 21.2 Democrats. So, like I said, obviously Democrats and independents may believe that it is a Christian nation. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean they believe it's a good thing. No. Okay. Or that it, it, you know, doesn't mean that they think it should be a Christian nation. But suffice it to say that according to the Baylor survey, 72% of people who voted for Trump in the 2016 election qualified as strong Christian nationalists, which in 2016 election terms means roughly 45,349,076 people. Strong Christian nationalists. And if the numbers held for 2020, 53,435,630.9 people. Yeah, that's not right. It's not great. It's not great. Um, Another study done by Andrew Whitehead, who is a professor of sociology at Purdue University uh, and several other co-authors he collaborated with, found that about 20% of the U.S. population can be identified as strong Christian nationalists, which comes out to about 65.8 million people based on the current U.S. population. Okay. Uh, These people are, of course, overwhelmingly white, overwhelmingly straight, Uh, and also exhibit more white supremacist tendencies and beliefs than the standard population. That is my commentary, to be be clear, based on uh, answers to other questions that they they responded to about voter fraud theories, voter suppression, gay panic, that sort of stuff. But, I mean, pretty obvious, right? And we also see, um, you know, Christian nationalism anecdotally all over the place. You didn't really hear people use the phrase as a positive thing until basically, I would say, last year. Yeah, Yeah, in the weirdest attempt to take back a phrase (laughs) since white girl just tried to take Karen back. Um, So things like the push to bring prayer back into schools, that has amped up since Trump lost election. Mm -hmm. Uh, The installation of a Christian cult member on the Supreme Court and the subsequent overturning of secular precedent as a step towards bringing in religiously based laws. (laughs) Try and figure out if you can say what what I'm describing with that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, QAnon, I would say, is a blending of Christian nationalism with conspiracy and politics. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene recently started selling a t-shirt with proud Christian nationalist written on it. Uh, The Georgia Guidestones, which I mentioned in our intro joke this week, were blown up in an early morning bombing last month. Um, They were put up, nobody really knows the full story of it, but like some sort of weird hippie cult that thought the apocalypse was coming up. They put them up, and the conspiracies about the Georgia Guidestones that definitely led to the bombing happening Mm -hmm. were based on that it was a demonic monument and it was the local government were Satanists and all that shit. And uh, fun fact, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene was on Alex Jones' show a couple weeks ago, and he opened up by asking her a question about the Georgia Guidestones being bombed, which she responded with, Alex, I'm so glad that you bring up the issues that matter to everyday normal people. I've never heard of the Georgia Guidestones. <laughs> Fucking nobody has no. except for weird, uh, hyper-Christian fascist uh, conspiracy theorists. Um, Michael Perutka, 
the Republican nominee for Maryland's Attorney General. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a guy who says that leaders should take, quote, a biblical worldview and apply it to civil law and government, and who has said that laws supporting gay marriage are null and void because they violate God's law. Ooh. And of course... Matt Gates tweeting from his official government account a few weeks ago, does supporting school prayer make me a Christian nationalist asking for a friend? Yes, He's Matt, also I can answer a Christian that nationalist, like, separately. He has, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't, I didn't write it down or get us a clip of it, but, but he has. Yep. It's, um, yeah, but as with all things, Benedict, uh, why don't we just hear it from the talking donkey's mouth, sure. as it were? Let's do it. Uh, and close things out with some examples, which are by no means exhaustive, okay. of Christian fascists doing their thing, starting, how about, uh, with a Christian, a fascist, and a Christian fascist all in one, with Victor Orban Great. at CPAC yeah, 2022 okay, in Dallas just last week. Did you why see we Mar-a-Lago got raided, by the way? I just, I got that, like, as we started yeah. recording, and I I wasn't going to bring it up, but, I mean, something's going Pretty on. Fun, cool. yeah. it, it probably has to do with those classified documents that he violated federal law yeah. in taking, um, because he he doesn't give a fuck. Probably that, yep. but, you know. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, it's a ways into his speech, but why don't we just see what Orban had to say. So first and foremost, we need to trust our Judeo-Christian teachers. Can you pause it a sec? They mm -hmm. Someone on Twitter said, why does he sound like Gru from the Minions <laughs> the other day? And now I can't unhear it, and I don't care if it's xenophobic. Uh, I mean, I feel like Hungarian villain is a trope. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is the... Hungarian sort of is the villain accent. It's the switching the Vs and Ws thing yeah. that goes on a lot. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah there's a lot of there. Help us decide what actions are right and what actions are wrong if you believe in god you also believe that we humans were created in god's image therefore we have to be brave enough to address even the most sensitive questions migration gender and the clash of civilizations. all things that god cares about a christian politician cannot be racist so you spoke over it a little bit there, but he, he he said the Clash of Civilizations, which I will note is a racist dog whistle because it's based off a book called Clash of Civilizations, which posited that mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's not racist as much as it's xenophobic. Uh, that different cultures, by which they really mean Muslim versus Christian, that that's where uh, wars would start was between those groups, and that's just not a thing. That's a bunch of horseshit. But also, he said there after he said that uh, that don't worry. A Christian politician cannot be racist. Cool. So don't worry, Benedict. They can't be racist. It's not racism when they do it. So we should never hesitate to heavily challenge our opponents on these issues. Be sure Christian values protect us from going too far. Moreover, we know that in the end of our lives, the moment will come when all our actions will be judged. So you can't do anything, you have limits. As Clint Eastwood said, <laughs> man has got to know his limitations. Yes, he quoted Liam Neeson. <laughs> Was it Liam Neeson or Clint Eastwood, did he say? Oh, is that what he said? Oh, fuck, I couldn't yeah, understand yeah, yeah. him. I thought he said Liam Neeson. No, Clint Eastwood, yeah. I listened to that three times and I thought it was Liam Again, Neeson. I, I want to double check, but yeah. <laughs> 
Oh, God. There was another laugh out loud moment for me in this speech um, where at one point he says that he has learned from his time in government that quitters never win and winners never quit. And I was like, yeah, man, I learned the same thing from an inspirational poster with a picture of a lot on it. <laughs> but unfortunately, the left in politics does not know any limitations. Okay. And my friends, as it happens... Today's progressives try to separate Western civilization from its Christian roots once again. They are it's Christian the roots line in Greece, yeah. That yeah. should never be crossed. If you separate Western civilization from its Judeo-Christian heritage, the worst things in history happen. It is, I mean, when a very open anti-Semite like Orban says Judeo-Christian that many times. Yeah, you know it does it just is. take me back to the the you know uh, uh, the phone call between Nixon and um, Billy Graham. Don't you know, let just them like know. The, the Jews love me because I support Israel, but I can't stand those fuckers. Yeah. <laughs> Happen. Let's be honest. The most evil things in modern history were carried out by people who hated Christianity. Don't be afraid to call your enemies by their name. You can't play safe, but they will never show mercy. Consider, for example, George Soros. Okay, okay Benedict. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there it is. He went from people who committed the worst things, hate Christianity, to George Soros. We know this trick. Before. We've seen I, this I've before. I've seen this movie before, yeah. I just wanted to get to that point where he got to George Soros because it became so painfully mm -hmm. obvious what was going on there. That was not good. Not good. Uh, next clip we have, Benedict. Uh, you ever heard of a, a fine young lady by the name of Laura I have, Loomer? Yeah. Do you happen to know, by any chance, what religious persuasion she might be? Uh, I thought she was Jewish. She okay. is Jewish, Benedict. Would you uh, happen to be aware that she telegrammed, or whatever you call it, on that platform uh, yesterday? Quote, I'm Jewish, but I know and I recognize that the Christian nationalist platform is the best political platform for America's future and the America First Is that movement. just an Israel I'm thing, though, or is it like a... I, I, I'm a Jewish American nationalist in support of the Christian nationalist movement, and I'm not okay, afraid to right, say it. Fine. And then she was also yesterday giving a speech at a church in Florida, the Wildeod Fellowship Church. Um, a whole bunch of clips came from this that were floating around social media because it was just full of some insane shit. But uh, this is the only one I chose to do. It's 20-something seconds go. long, but uh, not good. Our educational institutions, whether it be the public school systems or institutions of higher education, they are being infiltrated with godless communists and Marxists who are trying to indoctrinate your children and your grandchildren with LGBT, uh, LGBTQ degeneracy, okay, and anti-God, anti-white propaganda, anti-American propaganda. These people are on a bad streak here. Yep, Benedict. that's not great. They're on a bad streak. Next on tap, Newsmax. If you're familiar with it, hopefully no one is for much longer. Um, they had a chuckle fuck by the name of Rob Schmidt, is this guy's name. I don't know if he still has a job as of last week. Here's hoping he doesn't. But on the July 25th, 2022 edition 
of Rob Schmidt tonight. He said this. In other news, as we move on from the economy, the woke Pope oh, has arrived in North yep, America. Perfect. In mm-hmm. like the woke yep, Pope, Pope has arrived. Woke Pope. Look, to be fair, this clip could just as easily be just about white supremacy rather than Christian nationalism. But I saw a title of woke Pope and I was like, we are playing this clip. In Alberta, Canada, apologizing for crimes committed by Christian white people against indigenous people hundreds of years oh, ago. No. Take a listen. I humbly beg forgiveness for the evil committed by so many Christians against the indigenous peoples. Is that it? <laughs> All that right, was it. So Canadian natives then actually put a headdress on the Pope after he made this kind of pointless statement. Why is it pointless? We'll let you know if the Pope has any comments to make on any of the other countless genocides and atrocities that the world has seen over the committed last by thousand years. Yeah. Don't hold your breath. Okay, just for shits and giggles, I googled Pope Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Got plenty of results. Yeah. He has had statements on other yeah. ones. <laughs> anyway, that one, like I said, more just, you know, there's a Christian nationalist element of not caring about the fact that they fucked over indigenous people and murdered a shitload of them. Not caring about that definitely has a Christian nationalist bent. It also has a blatantly racist bent. Uh, so I don't know which category to put that in exactly. Yeah. But why don't we do our next clip, Benedict? Uh, this is uh, our girl, Lauren. It's not a bullet points mm, episode, sadly. sadly. She hasn't done any more yet. I'm still crossing my fingers and waiting. Send those letters to hopefully not your congresswoman, Lauren Boebert, and tell her we need more bullet points. Did you see her saying points. Joe Biden was comprised yesterday? That was good. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> she tweeted Joe Biden is comprised. She meant compromise. Oh, that's funny. You can blame that one on a yeah, correct, yeah. though. But this is her uh, speaking at some sort of church. I don't... Uh, actually, I think this might have been... No, it wasn't, but she does, She said another thing. But this is her just speaking at a church. And I think we most of us have seen this clip by now. The reason we had so many overreaching regulations in our nation is because the church complied. The church is supposed to direct the government. The government is not supposed to direct the church. That is not how our founding fathers intended it. And I'm tired of this separation of church and state junk that's not in the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter, and it means nothing like what they say it does. Amen, Lauren. Amen. It was just explaining the Constitution. It was in a stinking letter. what it was. (laughs) Again, I reject the premise that it matters what the Founding Fathers thought, uh, but she also said a few days ago on that Flashpoint Live program that we heard Chucko talking on earlier uh, that, quote, maybe we should have some sort of biblical citizenship training in our schools. Cool. Yep. Great. Also not a great thing. Here's another example for you, Benedict. Uh, this is a Oklahoma GOP state Senate runoff candidate. His election is coming up on August 23rd. Okay. He's also a QAnon Great. guy, by sure. the way. There's record numbers uh, and, of QAnon um, guys running, so that's good. Also a gigantic conspiracy theorist anti-Semite. Uh, this is him talking on one of his live awesome. streams. Now, if you think about what's happened in the Middle East, the instability and the aligning of countries okay. looks a lot like Ezekiel 38 and 39, the war of Gog and Magog. <laughs> Go read your Bible about that. No. So for these people who accuse me or other people of being Zionists, the Bible says that Israel's going to exist. 
I'm a Bible believing Christian. So I want the Bible to come true. <laughs> that's, I want there to that's be a very revealing. You know why? Because that means I'm going to be in heaven. I'm going to get raptured out of this place and I want to go spend time with Jesus. I don't want to be here <laughs> trying to. So, so I, I you know, here. we hadn't talked at all throughout this episode about the whole support for Israel because they yeah, want yeah. the biblical apocalypse it, it, to happen. It's funny that he didn't even say, I believe the Bible is true. He was like, I want the Bible to be true. It's like, I'm in trouble <laughs> right? if the Bible is not true. When I was a kid and I turned whatever that age is in the Harry Potter books, I waited up to see if Hagrid would be coming down my uh-huh. chimney. He fucking no. didn't, and I was sad, yeah. still scarred to this day. Trying to say, well, the tax cuts and the border security and the the regulations and the commit no, that's stupid. This ain't my home. I'm passing through. You need to get an eternal perspective on temporal things. And I don't think these people do that. Now, think about this. Get, let's just get very specific, because I got another one. We haven't even talked about the military yet. The last part on this. When people use these terms, they're usually looking at policy outcomes that they support. Now, I want to play a little clip. It's a minute long. Talking about the Kalergi plan. Watch this. So, the Kalergi plan, if you haven't ever heard of it, is an insane anti-Semitic conspiracy theory that the Jews want to kill a bunch of people. Awesome. Check out this cool clip. Check out this cool clip about it. That is, is, is I'm sure it's not just going to be promoting this insane conspiracy theory that, oh wait, it is. Putin of Kalergi published the plan for a united Europe and the ethnocide of the peoples of Europe. The encouragement of non mass non-white immigration was central cool. to the plot. So it's... Since then, an unholy alliance of leftists, capitalists, and Zionist supremacists. You can't see it, by the way, but like there are little clips. Yeah, yeah, I can can fully imagine. I can fully imagine. Psychopathic slideshow, right? There's like Charlie Kirk in there next to an Israeli flag, right? There is like one where it's a bunch of black men with white women. This is not a great thing. I think I'm done with this now. This man... is possibly going to be a state senator in Oklahoma very, very soon. Next clip, (laughs) man. Last clip. I'm done with this now. Uh, Maybe. Uh, Have you heard of a man by the name of Doug Mastriano? Yes, I have. Yes, he's possibly going to be the governor governor of your in-laws state. So that will not be great for you. Uh, this I found. This is a TikTok video oh, somebody okay. put together. Okay, he's not on TikTok. Uh, he's not doing TikTok dances. No, no, as no. far as I know, Doug Mastriano thinks that TikTok is of the okay. devil. So I don't think he, he's on to it. To be fair, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a TikTok video someone put together about him. Uh, so I will play. And I, you know, I don't know if you're, anyone's familiar with TikTok. Uh, I will try and read the text where it comes up, as there is sometimes, okay. so that you're aware of what's going on when there's no talking happening. My body, my choice is ridiculous nonsense. Cool. So this is Doug. What it's telling us. Okay. Republican nominee wants to ban abortion at six weeks. He actually I don't give a way for exceptions either. On that. He's compared abortion to slavery. When the right to life is restored in Pennsylvania, United States, we'll look back on the slave owners in a similar fashion. He thinks that abortion is worse than the Holocaust. He wants to cut state spending on education in half. Mm-hmm. And allow public dollars to use, be used for religious schools. Instead of 19,000, we fund each student at around nine or 10,000, and then they can decide which school to go to. Public school, private school, religious school, cyber school, or home school, and the money goes with the kids. 
He spread lies about vaccines causing autism. That doesn't surprise me. And promoted QAnon. Is global warming real? It is not. It's fake science. Okay. And it's a racket at the academic level. Right. Should gay marriage be legal? Absolutely not. I'm for traditional marriage, and I am not a hater for saying that. Should LGBTQ couples, i.e. two moms or two dads, be allowed to adopt? No. Pretty self-explanatory that this guy's a Christian nationalist. Yes. Pretty, pretty self-explanatory what's going on there, I would say. I would say, say so. Not, not, a, not a whole lot. And then um, just one okay, more video, fine, then. This is on. our last one. Uh, this one, I forget which news outlet put this together. Uh, but this is sort of a, a compilation of all this. Because, you know, Christian nationalism, uh, there's been a bunch of news articles and stuff done about this in the last couple weeks. Because it's everyone is noticing, what the fuck? Everyone on the right is is t spouting this stuff, saying they're Christian nationalists. And mm -hmm. Sort of a, a, you know, mashup of all this stuff. So here it is. We need to be the party of nationalism. And I'm a Christian and I say it proudly. I am a Christian. I'm not ashamed to say it. We should be Christian nationalists. A Christian nation. The church is supposed to um, direct government, not the opposite. Christianity is the underpinning of this country, our moral strength, our government rights and responsibilities. We were founded by very strong Christians. These were men of faith. Every sign of our Declaration of Independence was in fact a Christian. Anti-racist is a whole weird ideology that quite frankly tries to make white people second-class citizens. White Americans are being <laughs> treated as second-class citizens. There are now two standards of justice. It's a dual system of justice. They care more about the illegal immigrants at the border than they do the American people. See, They're out this is a handouts mix of to them. Yeah, don't care about us Americans. It's all about a handout to all the illegal immigrants. The foreign-born population is now growing by 132,000 people every month. The non-whites are reproducing rapidly. If we continue this trajectory, this eventually there will be no more native-born Americans. Our people literally are an endangered species. Our people are having few children. We've got to start protecting. Has it become clear, become clear at this point that this is that Daily Show mashup of the KKK and David yeah. Duke talking next to Republicans saying yeah, the exact same thing? Yeah, but I would thing? just say that Has it become clear yet that that's what I'm playing right now? Not Christian nationalism. Yeah, yeah but it okay. started out with oh, Christian nationalism fine. at yeah, the yeah. beginning. So uh, that, you see, I got it in there. Okay. Ah, I got it in there. Uh, Ten more seconds. Let's hear it. Protecting our race. If you're white... You have to go to the back of the line discriminating against white people. There is racial discrimination going on right now in this country against massive numbers of white Americans. How precisely is diversity our strength? So how is diversity our strength? And I'll point out, listen, the Democrats are the party of the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> you know, yep, every true. now and then when The Daily Show hits, it hits. I actually, mm -hmm. you know what? We're at the end of the episode, so this is the part where we bullshit a lot. I actually really I enjoyed Jordan Klepper when he had his own show. I thought he did a decent job. I, you know, I thought he was, I thought he was good. I thought it was good. I liked it. He was trying. The thing is, we all got so spoiled by those years when you had The Daily Show yeah. with Jon Stewart and then the Colbert. I wasn't here right then for that. When so. those two were at the top of their game, yeah. it was it was pretty fucking amazing. When those two sure were at was. the top of their game, it was a time to be alive. But uh, anyways, Benedict, you know, we didn't do a lot of talking about particular things uh -huh. that Christian nationalists want, right? Like money future, for religious sure. schools or abortion bans, prayer in schools, that stuff. Yeah, well, uh, we'll I don't know if we're going to do another episode on Christian nationalism. Like I, like I said, it could be 
infinite number of episodes and never scratch the surface on this shit. But it's not exactly the point of our show. The point of putting in the Lunatic Fringe series that we're doing is because it's definitely relevant, right? And like I've said a number of times, a lot, a big arc of this series is leading up to uh, what's going to be a multiple episode uh, portion about, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Charlottesville event, the Charlottesville uh, Unite the Right rally. Um, and Christian nationalism played a role in that, right? Uh, that little shithead Nick Fuentes was there. He is a Catholic fascist. He wants a Christian theocracy running this country. Uh, a number of other people there were right on right on board with that tip. So sort of building up all these things that we'll talk about before we get there and talk about a lot of the people and the parties involved and the ideology and the sort of blend that got all that to happen. And then, of course, the fallout from all of it. It won't be yeah. the end of the lunatic. It is a nar- series, narrative, but it is a major arc uh, that I've been and, building up to. And just to, to for... tie it all back into the present the narrative day, arc. I'm currently looking at a Daily Beast story entitled "Tucker Carlson Shitting Himself Scared That His Alex Jones Texts Will Leak." <laughs> yep. Oh God, I didn't even consider that. Uh, Holy Tucker shit! Is himself, you know quote, they exist, the right? That text between him and far-right conspiracy leader Alex Jones will leak. Oh my God! A source close to the Fox News star told the Daily Beast. That oh, is, yeah. I mean, yeah, th- th- yeah. those texts definitely exist. Tucker has texted Alex. I know yep. that to be true because Tucker uses Alex. Because Tucker is very clearly cynically using Alex Jones. That's amazing. That's really amazing. I fucking hope that happens. But, you know. Uh, you know, um, as we talked about today, a frightening number of people believe in Christian nationalism. Um, and like with so many things when it comes to the modern right, uh, the long period of promoting Coming these ideas cynically to get votes has finally gotten around to biting them in the it's ass. It's that tweet of the, like me saying, the hell yeah, is complete. me reaping, what the fuck? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The Ouroboros is complete, and the true believers are now rising to prominence and power. People like Doug Mastriano, Marjo, Lauren Bobert, they are leading the pact, and there's an at pack, and there's an leading aspect the of fascism that, that I think is I implied say. by yeah. what we talked about. Could be, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what we talked about in the last Lunatic Fringe episode, but not explicitly, and that's part and parcel with the obsession with degeneracy. And the, it's the idea of regeneration through violence. That you have to water the tree of liberty with blood, and of course, for these people, the blood of the non-believers, mm-hmm. the heretics, the atheists, and the infidels, of course. And that is something to be scared about. So, as I promised, leaving this episode I on a yes. I hope you are scared note about what is to come. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. We're I hope you enjoyed the show. Forced off the be happy and Bobby now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It might come someday. Uh, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC. Become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. And as always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing patrons. Polly Hauptman, Melissa C., J.D., George Saulnier, Tinker's Dam, Janet Yutter, Stefan, Shannon Hellman, Utah Outcast, Brent Lee, Dave Barwick, Dodd Snow, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Dexter, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Big Easy Blasphemy, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, A.J. Brantley, Tyro Takanan, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. 
That's it for this week's show. Till next time. Well, here I am doing everything I can. Goodbye. Goodbye. Club Podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.